Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from ScottArtist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us as we keel haul Minute 81 of Dead Man's Chest. Wow. Yeah. You're going to keel haul it. I'm breaking out all the stops. Breaking it out. That's crazy talk. It is crazy talk, actually. And speaking of keel hauling, that one-star reviewer we talked about the last episode. Uh Uh-huh. Did they reveal themselves? No. Coward will not reveal themselves, of course. But we have gotten a few messages of support via email. And, of course, I have to give a special shout-out to Daniel Hosington MacArthur for giving us a bit of Facebook love in our Facebook group there. Thank Restoring you. our broken souls. You did a nice job. Thank you, Daniel. Say. It makes me feel so much better. Exactly. We have love and support out there. There's a severe beatdown for Heather. Yeah. She took it, Can't you she tell? Took it harsh. I'm still a little down today. Exactly. It's like you were tied up in a... Brig all weekend. Exactly. Or just a couple of days ago, really. I'm not sure what I'm doing tied up in a brig, but okay. Well, you deserved it, most likely. Plus, we've gotten a ton of new listeners jumping on board lately. Woohoo! New yeah. listeners! Maybe we could disappoint them, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a bit of Facebook outreach, and then maybe that's helping out. And then now that the pioneering show about stars and wars... They're on hiatus. Oh, really? Put those together, yeah. We might be picking up those looking to fill the void, the space in their life now. They're sad. The space boys. <laughs> They're sad the space pirates are off air, and now they got to find other pirates to Exactly. View. Star Wars Minute is no longer there right now. No, no longer there? <laughs> right on. now. It's hiatus. <laughs> so uh, we welcome them. Yes. There's room for you here, too. Come on. Then, of course, because I have no sense of proper decorum. I'm already throwing in a plug. Just a couple of minutes into the show. Sorry for that. But come on, you cursed skeleton pirates. It's almost time for the NorCal Pirate Festival. It's the first and only event of its kind in the San Francisco Bay Area. The Northern California Pirate Festival is pleased to return to the Vallejo waterfront for another year of piratical mischief and good times. I think I said that the last time. Good times, though, and mischief. I'm there. just a day in the life of a true scallywag. That's what I want to know. Whatever it is, we'll be there wandering around, enjoying the entertainment, the local wares that they're selling. Exactly. Heather's up for a new pirate hat, too. I am. Mine's getting a little dusty. So there you go. She's got to get a new a hat. worn. So if you have any recommendations, send that to her. <laughs> Plus, and I say this without diminishing my love for the world-famous poxy boggards, of course, I believe a favorite of mine, the Merry Wives of Windsor, will be gracing the stage in all their singing glory. They're good. They are good, yeah. 
plus tons of other acts, maybe getting some pirate on the street interviews and comments, and who knows what else is going to happen there. It's craziness. It is craziness. So there you go. It's all wild pirate action. Yeah, you can check it out. Saturday, June 16th, and Sunday, June 17th, Father's Day weekend, 10 to 6, NorCalPirateFestival.com. There you go. Now let's get on with this show. Let's disappoint everybody out there. <laughs> let's really bring them down, especially all those new listeners jumping on board going, Ooh, I'm excited about, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> it's like a car wreck. Just join to watch what's going on. In the previous minute, cue the theater. The overly dramatic, soft music. Throwing a wide-eyed, naive woman, a patronizing, overconfident charmer, and a mundane conversation about directions. How do we find it? With my compass. And the progression doesn't end there as Disney gives us a bit of a lesson in the trendy and misogynistic topic of mansplaining. Just like a man to tell a woman what she wants and then take it to an uncomfortable level. <laughs> I want to save Will. No, you want to find the chest of Davy Jones. Now hold oh, my. Oh, I want to find the chest of Davy Jones. Thank you. Now hold my compass with both hands. <laughs> I'm just recapping the previous minute. I don't know what you're reading into it. I'm just recapping. I have recapping. no clue. Minute 81 begins with Elizabeth Swan holding Jack's compass. <laughs> And watching the dial spin until it settles on a direction. (laughs) Just as it does so, Jack's head pops into frame from under the directional device. The minute ends with Mercer talking to Governor Swan, most recently seen on the island of Tortuga and left in the company of the known pirate Jack Sparrow and other fugitives from justice. Swan responds, Justice. Ah. (laughs) Because it (laughs) just gets caught off. And I can't figure out what it was without jumping to the next minute. And we know that's against the rules. So it's a kind of an ah, uh, with something like that, dot, dot, dot. I guess we'll figure out what that means in the next minute. Jack's head popping up here yeah, is actually a picture that's used quite often for things. Yeah, it is. And it's almost kind of reminiscent of the barrel scene. Oh, yes. You're right. In the ride. Yeah. Ride reference, perhaps. Maybe. Where he just kind of pops up and he's smiling and it goes back down. But yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. Bobbing Jack head action. I don't want to say, though, I'm excited to leave the Tortuga dock scene necessarily, but I am glad to drop the cheese. A big helping of floating dock cheese or cheesiness that was going on there. We talked about it too much already. There's no immediate dialogue here, though, but this like house is clean. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to poltergeist it up here. This house is clean. And it's finally. Not sure I could have taken much more of that overly... Nicey niceties or whatever was going on there. The music and the yeah, that's exactly it. Naive little girl and it was too. I, I can't even describe it anymore. And you're going to get me to go down that road, and that's wrong of you because we're moving on. But by second nine, we get back to actual Pirates of the Caribbean, the swashbuckler I know, not bunnies and meadows for God's sakes. <laughs> Sweet little furry bunnies and. Everything else on the docks that we were getting before. It's pirates. It's pirate action. That's what I wanted. Because although I will admit the music swells in a way to this like big compass reveal. It's like, yes, a direction has finally been found. Okay? Everybody's excited about this. They are. And what I like about it is that we get the music piece here. Jack Sparrow. That's what it's called. It's called Mm. Jack Sparrow. Believe it's track number one on the Dead Man's Chest soundtrack, actually. It's like a six minute piece, actually. Because I want to say actually like five times in a row. Please do. But the most familiar segment of this particular score here 
is around one minute and 42 second mark when it actually happens. And that's where it flows into like a cello themed bass. Almost like a lighthearted jig thing going on there. And it actually gets back to, damn it, I said actually again. <laughs> How many times am I going to do that? I have no clue. Does this episode have to be entitled actually? Yeah. That's just wrong. And I thought we were making headway with the listeners and I go and pull this garbage. But it comes back to Fogbound, which is another piece of the music. And this forms the basis of the majority of the track is this Fogbound. But officially, this is characterized as building into a more bombastic and adventurous piece is what they normally would call it. And Hans Zimmer brought in a cello ensemble, French horns, and trombones to actually make... Damn it. There's another actually. I might as well start (laughs) counting these. To make this happen, though. And that's what I like. I really love this Jack Sparrow music piece here. Every time it comes up, I just whimsical, just kind of swashbuckler-y. Actually, no, I'm just no, kidding. Don't, how dare you? <laughs> and since it's titled Jack Sparrow, probably should have been titled actually Captain Jack Sparrow. Yes. His head pops up for the reveal, right when we get that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like his makeshift theme song thing going on there. Almost an introduction of sorts, too. Kind of strange since he was literally just here. But it is almost kind of an introduction feel to it. Well, he ran away the last second we seen him. Yeah, but he was still here. So, but it is an introduction of sorts. I don't know. I guess it's an introduction for the working compass, though. Yeah. It's like the compass is finally working, which is never a good sign when your compass doesn't work. When your compass stops working, it's not good. It's never a good sign. This is the Jack I know, though. Popping in like this? (laughs) Yeah. Just the music. You can see a shift in his whole entire persona. Oh, yeah. It's not he's, that. He's back to normal yeah, again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I like yeah. about it. It's normal Jack. And the compass does work with him standing right there. Yeah, it does. So I don't know why he ran away from it. I think he was superstitious about it. That's why he kind of peeks up over it. It's like he doesn't want to scare it. <laughs> he's afraid he's going to go back into its shell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Because he's not that pod person from the last two minutes. No. And that's what's good. Yeah. This is the pirate, the eccentric pirate thing. And we get the adventure music with him. All I can say is finally. Just like Gibbs. He read my mind. Finally. (laughs) Really, it was starting to bug me. Then we also get, of course, the continuation of the downtrodden Norrington theme. Yeah, Norrington looks like he needs a bath and a nap. Bath and a nap. Yeah, he's looking absolutely dirty and just extremely exhausted at this moment, especially when they throw the goat in his arms. Yeah, that's the best part because he's being put in his place by Pintel. Yeah. It's like he simultaneously welcomes him and then hands him a goat. Yeah. Must be a pirate tradition. <laughs> All new crew members get a pet goat. Get maybe to that, work, boy. <laughs> that's maybe what they were promising crewmen to come on board because they need their souls. You'll get a free goat. Oh, sign me up then. It's a nice party favor. Yeah. Hand out goats. It's a good scene, though. I think it's just all part of this role reversal thing. Because it continues to set Norrington up as the fallen good guy. Yeah. Well, good guy in a weird way. Because he was an antagonist, after all, last time. Yeah. But he wasn't like the evil Barbosa type. No. He hovered in the middle there. What's funny is that the Black Pearl just seems to collect wayward pirates and sailors. Even before recruiting souls for Davy Jones... It's like these lost pirates just gravitate towards the ship. Like Pintel and Rigetti? Yeah, Motley Crew, the whole thing. Yeah. What's crazy is that the Black Pearl has this reputation that precedes it. You'd think any wannabe pirate would want to be part of the crew. Exactly. So it's the ship to be on. What is this, a Seinfeld reference? It's like that when they're playing pool and 
George's or George Costanza's, actually his father's house. And he has the pool table in that tiny room. The room that the, is too yeah. small for the pool table. But then he says, he's trying to remember what it is. And he's like, can't think of it. And then Kramer's like, oh, it's the place to be. The mm. place to be. So that's kind of what you just said. Kind of. Although I guess unless it's because of the curse reputation, the cursed Aztec reputation it has that keeps all the castaways away or keeps everyone away, but the castaways of society, mm-hmm. forgotten souls. Yeah, those are the souls Jack wants to give to Jones anyways. Right. It's probably after this Davy Jones thing, though. I mean, we just had Aztec curses. Now we have potential mythological underworld shepherd in your souls kind of thing in a matter of just years of, between each other. So the Black Pearl has seen that. Maybe the reputation has now changed. People are like, I don't know if I want to be on that ship. Yeah, the Black Pearl seems to find all this stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But it ends rather quickly, though. It's all of a sudden, it's boom, transition, we're out of there. Yeah. We set it up, we're ready to go. Now bring in the Beckett. Well, uh, Gibbs started preparing the ship to get ready to sail. When was the last time we saw Beckett? What minute was that? Back in the 20s? Yeah. Had to be, right? Yeah. It's been a while. When last night, last we seen him, he was talking to Elizabeth. Yeah. When Elizabeth was taking the... Letters of Mark. Yeah. Amazed you came up with that. Because, <laughs> yeah, now we're back in his office, so, but we're down to minute 81, so it's been probably 40 minutes or so yeah. since we last saw him. Yeah. But it's good to see him back, actually, because I wanted to say actually again. Damn it, this really is an actually <laughs> episode. It doesn't seem like um, justice means the same thing to Governor Swan and Beckett. No. And I can't believe you're jumping to the justice thing already. Or did we already it's next cover in it? line of my on my list? Next in line on your list? What kind of list do you have? Nothing going on there? I guess I mentioned it in the thing, the opener. Yeah. Well, because okay, here we go. We have Mercer. Yeah. The butt. We, Mercer's just a butt. A big anyways. old humongous telescope. Yeah. He can barely lift his eyes away from the telescope to talk to Swan. Yeah. But he does so when he starts to drop the justice bomb. Hey, that's a how dare you moment. To drop justice. You of all people, sir. Yeah. But the governor does reiterate the justice point, which was definitely made for this moment. Like, we get some existential thoughts here. What is justice? (laughs) Who defines justice? I mean, I saw this coming, but still I liked it. And then I was going, wait, this is a pirate movie. And now we're supposed to be thinking about what is justice. (laughs) That's the second how dare you to Disney. Yeah, for making us think like this when we're in no, a No, the movie. justice. Duh, duh, duh. You don't know like what I'm law talking and order about. Or yeah. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of when you keep saying justice. <laughs> I haven't even watched Law and Order. No, I've just seen. Actually, <laughs> ding! I watched uh, The Office last night where they did the. He was reciting. Michael Scott was oh. reciting the, the Law and Order, so that's why. When I, he was doing a tryout for the play yeah. that he didn't make. Yeah. He did a whole episode of yeah. Law and Order. Even that made vacuuming. That's why it's fresh on my tongue. But I do appreciate the irony of it all. The beginning of the Justice talk. Because this entire film franchise is about blurring the lines of good and evil. Right. Degrees of evil. Or degrees of good. But you said the grays of evil, which goes together Same thing. also. I didn't, but again, you're trying to make me say stuff that I didn't, and I have the power of recording behind me. 
The power of recording compels me to know what I said. <laughs> but we have moral pirates, evil corporate and crowned endorsed lords. Even Turner and Elizabeth are like inherently good, but walk that pirate line. It's interesting. Yeah. And I may have found an out of period error in Beckett's office. Oh, no. Yeah. We usually don't point out errors, typically. We try not to. Yeah, we try not to. This one happened to catch my attention because there seems to be a reflection coming from the painting behind him. Okay. Looks like a couple of ships on the wall there. Yeah. And hell, no, I wasn't going to try and identify that ship painting. I've been there before. I've wasted hours, literally hours, doing stupid stuff like that. So I resisted the urge, except for the first 10 minutes. (laughs) After I spent 10 minutes, I said, I'm going down a rabbit hole I can't recover from. I'm going to walk away. But anyways... Looks like that artwork might have glass over it. That's why there was a reflection. Huh. Was that print, supposedly an oil painting or watercolor, whatever it was, covered by glass? Because I would think that glass wasn't in use with artwork in the 18th century. You would Be- think you didn't look that up. Believe it or not, no. Okay. The truth, I was having a bit of trouble tracking that information down. I couldn't find it. Really? Yeah. When glass started being used yes. for artwork? Yeah. I was looking... Huh. Not that I was going to spend all night looking for it, but yeah, I started to look. But I don't recall it being used in other movies, though. Have you have you paid attention to that, though? Yeah, I have. Very much so. Okay. Yeah, that's what I look for. My pet peeve is to find glass on artwork (laughs) in period pieces. But it doesn't seem right. Does it, Tio? Does it seem right? Does it feel right to have glass on a frame? Well, you would think it would be just canvas without... Yeah, because it would be like an oil painting Being or something. They the couldn't glass on get top. glass smooth anyways at right. this time. So yeah. you're talking that they would put glass on a frame? That just doesn't seem possible. Yeah. It looks like there's glass there. And I don't know how that's an oversight that mm. they would do that. I don't know. But I've been surprised before, but I just can't picture you want a bunch of wavy, thick glass over that painting. So I let it go. Except I had to bring it up here. <laughs> Other notable pieces of art? King George II. Saw that in the background. Oh, is that the butt head? <laughs> really, that's where we stooped to. <laughs> I mean, I called Mercer a butt, not as in schoolyard casting aspersions kind of thing, name calling, because he really is a butt. I was just but going for the shape of the hair. <laughs> you know, the new listeners come here for some enlightenment and then we drop butt head on them. I mean, now look at the shape of the hair. What's that look like to you? It what does like, it look like to you? It looks like a powdered wig action from the 18th century. Okay, in what shape? Hair-shaped. Really? Yeah, that's where I'm going to go. Really? I don't see things like that. I don't dabble in euphemisms. Okay, Queen of Hearts, does that help you? No. Is that any better? No, it isn't actually. Because I believe it's actually the portrait of King George's second oil on canvas. That's what I think huh. that is. By Sir Gottfried Neller. He was... 1646 to 1723. He was a German-born painter who settled in England and became the leading portrait artist there in the 17th and early 18th centuries. He studied in Amsterdam under Bull, who, which this is where it all connects and why I brought it up, because Bull was a pupil of Rembrandt. Bull from Night Court? Yeah, Bull from Night Court. You know, the low brownness just keeps dropping. <laughs> You're really dropping that bar here. We're talking fine art and you drop Bull from Night Court. Oh, man. Seriously. He was in Italy for a while and moved to England. Probably in the mid-1670s, they think. 
But the opportune death of serious rivals and his own arrogant self-assurance, this is a quote from noted art websites, enabled him to establish himself as the dominant court and society painter by the beginning of the reign of James II in 1685. And what caught my attention was his own arrogant self-assurance. Just sounded familiar to me. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. Uh-huh. I don't know. Connecting two dots, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. Just sounded familiar. Reminds me of somebody. Not quite sure who that is yet. There's also some plant drawings. Kind of that Victorian stuff in the background. Or more proper to say, botanical art and illustrations. Hmm. Yeah, should exercise some propriety given we got ourselves a lord and governor here in the room. We don't want to sound like a couple of village idiots. Nope. It's another Seinfeld reference. We don't want to stick out, you know. Even have my powdered wig on in the studio today. That you do. Give it up for the aristocracy. A shape of a butt, but yes. Arr! Really, that's where you went again. Seriously, the bar is so low now, we're tripping on it. Oh, I forgot. It's queen of heart shaped. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. But you know, this could have all like transitioned nicely if, <laughs> if you had said that. And then I could have said something like, speaking of butts, Mercer, he's a real butt. <laughs> And then that would have flowed. But instead, what I did is I said but, and then that just got into your head. And then you perpetrated low browness upon this high society of a show. So whose fault is it? It's technically my fault for bringing it up. I should know better than that. Yep. Yeah. So we went from actually discussing things of the inherently good and evil things going on with the show, the characters. And then we turned to your commentary. Just... Really, really lifted that bar high. Well, we're we're millimeters from the ground now. It's like airborne. <laughs> but I don't really have anything else. I don't know about you. Beckett's office. Oh, okay, there you go. Looks even more impressive in daylight. It does. Did you look notice good. that? I was gonna say something like that, but then I got stuck on the art thing. And this map is just amazing. I do like the map. And if you notice at the bottom of the map, there's actually like. A um, drawing of a ship down there. Yeah. But it's just the outline. Because I don't think the guy's gotten to painting it yet. Because I was looking at that. It's not even on the map part. It's below it. Yeah. I think that's part of just the decoration, the artisticness of the map. Because we've talked about maps in season one, how they included a lot of artistry. Right. And they would fill in places that they didn't really know with like sea monsters and things like that. Yeah. So I just take it as some artistry here down at the bottom there that he's going to fill it in and paint it later. Yeah. That was kind of my I thought thoughts. it was kind of cool looking though. Yeah. I like the map. And the map Especially is... when you, they zoom in on it. There's that scene where we first start off looking at it really closely uh-huh. and he pulls back. You can actually see that it's painted on there with brush strokes and things. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. So they went to that fine detail. It's not Yet just a sticker on the wall. They potentially left glass on a painting. That is absurd. A different person was working on the painting than the... Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. Than the uh, picture. Yeah. Portrait. So I don't know about you. But once we get to that point in the show where we... Talk about butts. That, or if if only we could have like ended on weighing the merits of good and evil. We could have ended strong. But we do now have to think back to the compass. Euphemism. Bring it all home. <laughs> that started the show. Then call it a day. Ending on a, which we wish would be a serious note, as it happens. Do we wish that? I don't know. Sometimes. Because the new listeners, I want them to come in and go, wow, this show is really going on here. And then the old listeners, not that they're old, the the dedicated listeners go, 
yeah, this is why I come to the show to to fulfill like educational needs. That's why people come not for the humor. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we can be the judge of that. Because what if that one star reviewer is going, God, their humor is one star. (laughs) That's very true. Maybe that's, (laughs) especially you. Now you've dropped it because you had to throw in that stuff. We tried to keep it good and you dropped it. I'm sorry. Look at that wig. You just have to overlook it. That's the whole point. You got to try and keep your thoughts to a minimum on that kind of stuff. Look at that wig. It's time we get it out of here because Heather's not going to let it go. So yeah, we'll be back on Friday, minute 82, Dead Man's Chest. Maybe some serious educational talk, some like intellectual movie breakdown stuff. But who the hell knows? We could have history. We could just have unfortunate butthead comments. Yeah. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. Let's try and minimize Heather's commentary. Might be helpful. Now I'm getting the evil eye. No, it won't be helpful. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew Listeners Group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.